Welcome to the Pearl Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message blesses you in a way that is inspiring, encouraging, and transformational. For more information about our church, please go to thepearlchurch.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, as we say in Africa, prepare your heart. Here we go. Hallelujah! You know, that's not too bad. You did pretty good. I don't have a voice left now, but other than that, we're doing great. Well, thank you, Pastor Doug, for assigning me to my favorite topic, intercession. I was thinking, you know, you could have chosen spiritual formation. You could talk about success in life and all that kind of thing. And he gives me intercession. I said to him, Pastor Doug, I'm not an intercessor. You know that. And then upon further review, I realized, you know what? We're all called to intercession. It's not, hear my Lord, send my wife. <laughs> Well-known scripture, I use it a lot. But I'm very thankful for this church. I wanna say I am very thankful, not just because my kids are here, and I can say it that way, because they're kids, you know. Little past that, but, but I'm thankful for the family that we have here in Denver. This church is amazing. And I thank God that I've always been part of a church that knows how to pray, because I know what the foundation stone is. Uh, it's a couple things. When I was younger, I vowed I would never say or talk about when I was older, because it's boring to hear. One of the things was body parts. Old people like to talk about their bodies. They're going wrong, you know. And as I've gotten older, I'd love to tell you about my shoulder replacement. I have the x-rays to show you. I mean, we could spend a good half an hour or an hour and a half if you like. The other thing that I vowed I'd never talk about is the good old days. Well, sometimes it's good for some of us who have been in other times to bring a perspective that I think is helpful. And so this time, please forgive me, I'm not suggesting we go back to the good old days because these are the good nowadays. Because God's got his hand on this church far more than you know. I'm thankful for what he's done. I'm thankful this is a healthy, growing, overflowing church. For that, I am thankful. But I wanna say to this church, we're not there yet. There's much more to come because this church has a destiny. This church has a purpose in this city and in this world, and we're not gonna do it alone, but as God grows us and other churches like us in the city, I believe God has great things, and I believe we're just on the edge of those great things. God has been doing things slowly, surely building, and people have been added to us. I just get amazed at new people and, and the quality of people that are around, the quality of the leadership team and so on. I'm just thankful for all that. But I do say this, the half has not yet been told. Eye has not seen nor ear heard what God has in store for us. And I want to be part of a church that's not a community church where, and God bless those, those churches that, you know, are 60 people all there for the last 10 years, and they're happy because they're a family and they're meeting each other's needs. But I want to be a church that it understands kingdom purpose, that understands we're here to extend the kingdom of God. What God said to us is, I want you to be in a position where you can go and you can share the good news and you can train and you can teach. Now, I'm glad that we are a hospital here. 
where people can come in, and maybe that includes somebody who's at, right here right now, been broken in the past, and problems, and maybe you're going through them right now. This is a place of healing. This is a place of deliverance. This is a place where God's presence is here. These are people that care about you. You see out there in the lobby in the t-shirts, love God, love people. It's not an option for us here. This is something that we do. It's something that comes natural because we've been taught. And I thank God for all of that. The churches that I grew up in, here's the good old days coming, were powerful churches. I've been in four of them. The first one was in Canada. I grew up in Canada. Please forgive me again. I'm a Canadian boy originally. However, I've lived longer in the States than I did in Canada, so I'm also an American. Glad to be an American. <laughs> <clears throat> Being a missionary, I had to learn the accent too. I had to learn how you don't say God, which I assumed was a monosyllable, but actually it's three syllables. God. <laughs> Get all three of them in and you're ready for the radio ministry. Uh, but what I'm saying is if the foundation and understanding is our dependency is not on our program, our marketing, our strategy, but it is on our connection with the great almighty God who has the purpose for us. It's not us divining some kind of, well, we want to be great. We want to be important. That's not it. In our personal lives or as a church, what is it? God, help us to hear what you're calling us to do and to be what you want us to be. So we're not only a hospital for those that are sick. Somebody suggested it this way. We're a teaching hospital. People come who are being equipped. They've already been healed. Now, yeah, we go through some stuff, but we're be this is an equipping church. Ephesians 4.12, have you ever read it? It says this, after it, after it lists the, 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 the professional ministries, you know, teacher, prophet, you know, pastor, all that, and it says, for what? For building, what is it for? For the equipping of the saints so that they would do the work of the ministry. Now, when we talk about intercession and we say, you know what, we have some professionals, meaning that they do this all the time, that's their calling. And I can never be like that. You're probably right. But what I want to say, and as you heard Pastor Doug say, and I've already said it, as we leave this place today, let there be a behavioral change in our thinking and in our willingness and our obedience to this that God wants us to be an intercessor. And we are reluctant to do that. Why? Because we haven't trained ourselves to do it yet. So I hope I can help you with that today. Is that okay with you? You're not gonna be resistance here, are you? <clears throat> I'd like to impress you with my awesome teaching and preaching, but I know better. We need the Holy Spirit to speak to us. So I'm going to pray that right now. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Help us obey. In Jesus' name, amen. I didn't go very long, did I? Probably not effectual. Francis Chan, if you know him, he said this. Listen, this is really poignant. If prayer isn't vital to your church, then your church isn't vital. That is pretty awesome. I thank God for a church that I grew up in that knew what it was to pray. It was in an era where television wasn't well known. There certainly wasn't the multimedia uh, distractions and all the things in the fast-moving society. So prayer was the main part of the church, really. We had Tuesday night service, Friday night service, Sunday morning service, Sunday afternoon service, Sunday evening service. And all the evening service was followed by an hour of prayer or two hours 
Friday, we never finished, and we had a specially designated prayer room full of pews that was loaded with people. I think I need to put this down. It's making me nervous. I feel like jelly up here. <laughs> full with people who were praying, and, and Friday night went to midnight. And even Sunday night, now there's a school the next day, so this is robbing me of my much-needed sleep to be a good student, right? What's God doing? Went to 11 o'clock usually. I just loved it when the pastor who became my grandfather-in-law, he would finally at 11 o'clock on Sunday night turn out the lights and say, well, I think God has had his way. I thought that an hour and a half ago, you know. (laughs) I did that for the first 21 years of my life. 23 years of my life, really. Well, maybe as a baby, I wasn't, you know, fully engaged. That could be. So why am I saying this? That church grew from a very small number in the middle of Skid Row area of Vancouver City, meeting in a YWCA building. Anybody know what those letters even mean anymore? I'm feeling my age. I'm going to be saying a few things that are betraying my age. I hope that's okay with you because that's who I am. But that's uh, uh, the equivalent of the Y today. But a really old, it was old in those days, it was really old. And there was nothing, it was nobody's that went to it. There was only three cars in the whole place. Everybody was poor, dirt poor. I'm thankful for those beginnings. But God rose that, raised up that church. You know, it sent out over 60 missionaries around the world. 60, and it was a blue-collar church all the way. Now, God prospered those people, and some of them became millionaires, and it grew to over 1,200 people, which was the largest city in Canada at the time. Now, why am I saying these things? Because the, the basis of that certainly wasn't magnificent preaching or, pattern or program. It wasn't special speakers coming by. It was the presence of God in a powerful way. And that is exactly what we want for us today. And that's exactly what we experience when we come together on Sunday morning. There's a manifestation and an enlargement, a magnification of the presence of God because our receptors are much more open when we're in a corporate setting. But God help us to understand that he wants us to take our experience on the mountaintop, onto the streets, into the valleys, into our sphere of influence with the people that we are in contact with it. Nobody else in this place is ever going to touch. He gives us that mission field for every one of us. And so as I talk this morning, I want to say this. We sometimes use guilt as a motivation, right? We do that with kids. Uh, often, why did you do that? You brought shame to yourself. You shot shame to, the, to, to our name or whatever you use. How effective is that at changing behavior? Let, let me do a little example here. So if you would be, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes, but I'm not going to do a salvation call. Although, if you'd like to do that while we're doing this, it's fine with me. So here's the deal. I'm going to give you a word, and when I give you that word, I want you to immediately take hold of a concept or a thought or a feeling of that word brings to you, because it's a rather emotional word. Are you ready for this? Now, if this is you personally. Okay, and you might want to share it with the person beside you. So here we go. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Here's the word. Get your picture, get your feeling. Here it is. Here's the word. Flossing. What are you feeling? Tell the person beside you. If you're like me, it's nothing. <laughs> but isn't it true that a lot of us feel guilt, right? So how, how good is that at helping us to floss? 
Don't you know that you're gonna have tooth decay below the gum if you do not floss? And when you get to be as old as Bob Wager, that means a lot of money. Now, come on, do it. You know you need to do it. I had a dentist that did that once. That's another whole story. He got a hold of the wrong x-rays and he threatened that I'd lose all my teeth because I wasn't flossing. I still don't floss very much. How many floss? Come on, let's, can I see your hand? Hey, go away. Really? Uh, but good on you, that's awesome. I'm good at toothpicks, I do that well. And as I get older, they're more effective than they used to be. Somehow the gap is a little bit more effective and you're, I think I'm digressing a little bit here. Let me get back to my point. It is not true that guilt will ever change us from here to there when it comes to the intercession, but what does is other things. Through his scripture, he will speak to us, even this morning, to help us to understand our goal is that every one of us be involved in standing in the gap, that we want to become gap people. That's what this is all about. We are gap people. What does that mean? Well, the definition of intercession, you all know this, the act of intervening or standing in the gap on behalf of someone else. And our goal is absolutely that everyone understand the necessity of the importance of us being involved at some level in intercession. And so our, our motivation for that is by the word of God that instructs us to do it, tells us how to do it, and encourages us to do it. And I've got the key verse here. Pastor Doug gave me this. I was thankful for that because being my teacher in nature, I will take hold of a topic and then go through the whole Bible with every verse that has the word joy in it or every verse that has the word healing or whatever the topic that I'm speaking on at the time. And, you know, I'll spend a good 20 hours in preparation just because it's fun. I know, crazy, but I used to be a math teacher and that was crazy too, so there you go. Here's the verse, 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, and most of you know it very well, but here it goes. And keep this verse in mind as we go through our message this morning, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Can you say amen? amen. Boy, that was a pretty feeble, that was like a golf clap, you know. Can you say amen to that verse? Or are you saying, uh, yeah, I know, it's like flossing though. All right, five things we can learn. Let's go through this as quickly as we can. Five things we need to learn. Number one, intercession is not something that's easy or comes naturally for most of us. It's not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. Our flesh will rebel against it. And that's why Paul starts out really strongly. He said, I urge you. Urge is a very strong word. If you look it up in the dictionary, it means to try earnestly or persistently. You don't give up. You keep saying it. To persuade somebody to do something. And you're doing it because it's so strong because it's important. And so you keep at it. The Holy Spirit is good at this. And so are our mothers. <clears throat> I was going to say wives, but I want to preserve my marriage <clears throat> and our marriage is kind of teetering because it's only been 49 and a half years and so we're not sure if we want to keep going. <laughs> but we decided for the sake of the kids to stay together. <clears throat> we need urging and I urge us this morning, every one of us, 
even though our natural inclinations is, how many love to exercise bodily? Is it good for you? Should you be doing it? I urge you. Well, thank God it's not just the person, it's the Holy Spirit behind it. Remember we prayed, speak to us, Lord, because we're, we're hearing and we want to obey what you're saying to us. Is this in the word? Does he want us? He's urging us by his Holy Spirit. We need to be prodded strongly because this is something that is really important. It's the foundation stone of our relationship with God is communicating with him. We're not in a religion. We're not going through ceremonies. We're not just doing something on a Sunday morning. We are connecting. We are teaching ourselves. We're learning from his word how to apply that into our lives so that we can live peaceable, godly lives. That's what it's all about. So let's go on with this. Number two is he's urging us, so just do it. I, I love, there's a skit that was done years ago. Anybody remember Bob Newhart? Very famous comedian. We have one hand in front. There's another one. Look at all these shy hands going on. Great comedian. He was deadpan guy. So he, this is the skit. He's a psychiatrist, well-known, famous psychiatrist. And there's a woman that comes in. She's had many doctors. She's got these obsessions and fears and paranoias and all this stuff. And so she now has a, a uh, invitation or, or, or an opportunity to meet with this world-renowned doctor. And so she comes in with her notebook ready to write down the things that he's going to say. And he encouraged her, you write down what I say, okay? When it comes to all these things that you're battling, here I'm going to give you the advice that will change your life forever. And she gets her pen ready, you know, and she's ready to write this down on her pad. And he says, okay, you ready? Mm -hmm. Stop it. <laughs> those fears, those obsessions. Stop it. Are you getting this down? Oh, yes, doctor. Stop it. What else? Just stop it. You know, I'm thinking as a pastor, that's, that would sure save a lot of time. <laughs> Just stop it. For goodness sake, well, what the Holy Spirit is saying to us now is start it. Just do it. I know we're robbing from some kind of a marketing scheme by, well, I'm still having trouble with that water, aren't I? <sighs> I never have been a professional. You have to take me as I am. Just do it. Now, here's the deal. We need to understand that there are different areas or levels of intercession. And let me use the example of giving because it makes it a little easier for us. There are levels. There's the ministry of giving. There's the uh, gift of giving. And then there is just the rest of us. The ministry of giving means your whole life revolves around making money and earning lots of it so that you can give it away. The founder of Chick-fil-A uh, practiced this principle to the extreme. The, years ago, the, the um, road moving equipment, the graders and all that, were invented by a man by the name of Letourneau. He ended up uh, giving 90% of his income to the church. He just believed in the cause of the church, and that was his whole ministry. That was his, his whole reason for being successful. How many of you have ever prayed for the ministry of giving? I have, and God has a deaf ear to my prayer. <laughs> the only other time I get that is on the golf course. Lord, if I hit this shot really nice in front of my friends, I will serve you the rest of my life. <laughs> and then I look for my ball behind me someplace, you know. Ministry of giving. We're not, many of us, called to that. It means you've got to have a lot of money. 
The second area also means that you're wealthy, but it's not your whole being. There's lots of other things that you're involved with, but you do know how to give generously, really generously, and give lots of it. And that's a gift from God. I'll take that one too. It's a little less, but I can take that. It's fine with me. See, now in prayer, it's like that too. In prayer, there's some who have the ministry of intercession. Have you ever seen the movie, The War Room? I can't do that. I know I'm shocking you right now because I'm the man of God, right? Missionary, did all these incredible things. He doesn't have a war room? Nope. I have trouble praying that long. I have lists that I work from, but I don't do very well. But there's some people in this church, believe me, as there were in every other great church I've been in, and they take a hold of this seriously, and they pray. We have a group that meets every Wednesday night under the ministry of uh, Gary and uh, Janice Smith, and there's a group together that gather together, numbers of them, just pray for the church, pray for us, pray for everything that's happening. Do you think that that is foundational to a successful church? And every time there's a prayer request that comes into the church, it immediately goes out. Of course, we have the internet now. You don't have to gather to pray. It's right there on your phone. And the prayers are going up 24-7, believe me. My wife gets these calls sometimes, or the intercessory urgent things. At, at times, sometimes, and it's really late or really early. And I'm thinking, God's not even awake at this moment. He's not listening. <laughs> But I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for them. But what God is saying to us is don't leave it to them. It's not just them. It's never going to work if it's just a little small group of people. That's not going to work. But there are some here that pray, pray a lot, some who have the ministry of giving. Others, it's the, the, I mean the ministry of, of intercession. There are those that have uh, the ability to pray naturally. And there's one, one fellow, he's a dentist. In fact, he's the one where I first saw the illustration of flossing. He was an elder, is an elder in our church in Portland that I spent 26 years there. And uh, so he did that illustration, only he was talking about evangelism. I'm talking about intercession. Both of those are things we need urging in. And so, uh, what was I going to, oh, when he prayed for you, he would, he would stop. And, and uh, Ben, why don't you stand up? He would say, he says, you know, and I, I'm standing there with, with a bunch of stuff in my arm. He, he starts praying. God, I just pray for Bob. I thank you for what you're doing in his life. And I'm going, yeah, this is good. And the books are getting heavier and heavier. He goes on for 15 or 20 minutes. Really, I'm serious. Isn't that right, Pastor? And I loved it, except I had to put the books, excuse me. You don't want to put my books down. So be blessed, be healed, be delivered. God give you a great life, prosperity, Many kids, is that okay to pray for that too? That's a Uganda prayer. They'll even pray that way at weddings. Can you believe that? God, I especially pray that you give them twins. And Sharon and I are going, what? Yeah, you do. Yeah, well, they do. I think I'm digressing again. All right. Uh, I want to say one more thing and illustrate it a little bit. Prayer is not natural, but when we start doing it, it becomes more part of us. If we can get the momentum going, it takes care of itself, and it becomes a natural act. So nobody starts out that way, but it ends up that way if we are obedient. I'm gonna give an example of that. Anybody ever heard of finger memory? You maybe heard of muscle memory when it comes to basketball players. 
My body has no memory whatsoever when it comes to, if I ever shoot a good shot in basketball and then I come back, I, there's nine more before, before that good shot comes back, you know. But you get someone like Stephon Curry who can do seven threes in a row like he did last week. There's muscle memory. He doesn't have to sit there saying, now oh, what do I do? Let me see, I've got to get the biceps up. He doesn't think. Now, this is an unusual illustration, but bear with me. This is one thing I can do. I can't play basketball, but I can kind of use this. Well, here's where finger memory comes in, because you, you start out by playing scales. How many have ever played scales on an instrument? So here's, here's a G scale. Or if you're just starting. And my mother used to say, Bob, that sounds so good. I had a good mother. And then she'd say, can you play that for me again? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's another story. So, now, as you progress and do it over and over, and I've been doing it, I hate to say this, for 60 years. Literally, I started 60 years ago. So, you do it over and over and over again until you get to something like, see any bumblebees around here? That's Flight of the Bumblebee by Rimsky-Korsakov. Are you impressed? Because it's really important to me that you're impressed. I am making a point other than I really want you to marvel at my ability. The point is, sometime along the way as I was playing those scales, and I would read the Reader's Digest, and you don't even know what that is, many of you, but reading something else, because it's so boring, that eventually, it did it by itself. When I play the flight of the bumblebee, I know you think that my mind is so quick that I can, like a computer, tell my fingers what to do, right? Forget it. I look at them, I remember the first time this afternoon, I go, what are my fingers doing? I'm not telling them a thing. They've memorized the pattern. Isn't that amazing? And you that do keyboard entry on the computer, or play any other instrument, and many other things. You get this finger memory, but it only happens by starting, starting at the baby level, and then just, it just becomes natural. Can we do that? So you have the ministry of prayer, gift of prayer, and talking about intercession, and then all of us be gap standards because we just learned how to say, can I pray for you? Now, I have a guilt confession to make. It's just me, I know it never applies to you. There's sometimes when I said, I'll be praying for you, and then I don't. I know you've never done that, but uh, I'm not, as I said, I'm not as spiritual as you may think I am. Many of you are far surpassing me in spirituality. But it's not because I'm rebellious or lazy, although both of those could be true, but that's for me to judge and my wife, not you. But the truth is, if we learn to say, I'll pray for you, and then do it right then. And I want to say this, the Bible doesn't tell us how long to pray, does it? And there are some who can really do, like my dentist friend, pastoring up in, in, in Portland. He knows how to pray long prayers, and, and there's a place for that, and it's fantastic, interceding, and some for hours, and it's an amazing thing and very effectual. But 
I don't think that's where a lot of us are, and so we excuse ourselves saying, well, I can't do it because I'm not like that. And some people, did, maybe, maybe we need some training. Uh, did I bring up the prayer card here? I think I did, yeah. Well, there's some prayer requests here. And let, let me illustrate. Uh, let me see. I pray for my church and its leaders. Let me illustrate a prayer. Are you ready for this? Okay, here we go. My heavenly Father, who inhabits the heavens and sitteth upon his throne, I beseech you this day, incline thine ear unto me. Well, of course, you're not going to do Shakespeare stuff. But I grew up on King James Bible, which, according to my mom, was the only authentic Bible that's ever written, even though it's not available in any other language on earth. But we've got it in English. But in any case, I'm digressing again, aren't I? Or it can be... Lord, I, I pray for, for my church, and I pray for Pastor Doug and Donna, and I know the burdens are on him, and you go on and on, as God reveals, reveals things to us, and that's what he does when we begin to pray. He reveals what the need is so we can have pinpoint prayers, and I call them laser prayers. But also, we don't need to think it has to be long. It can be short. Now we're without excuses. Well, I haven't got time, whatever. Our, our excuse becomes... Well, I would find that embarrassing. What if they think I'm spiritual? You know, if I I say, I'll pray for you. Do you know people love it when you say that to them? Even non-believers. I have a brother who's a doctor, a son who's a doctor, and they at times in the hospital say, can I pray for you? And nobody's ever turned them down. In my life, I've only had it happen once. I don't believe in that stuff. I prayed for them anyway. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's... It, it, it becomes natural. Now, I still need to develop that, believe me. And it's no big deal. Can we, can we do this? Is this something you can do? Is this something I can do more? I'll pray for you right now. Of course, we have the advantage, too. This day and age, we can text them. We can give them a phone call. We can leave a phone message behind. We can give them a scripture later on. We can, things are a lot different. We can use a list. We can read off of this. And, and one of the, you know, this is, this is frequently my prayer. Lord, I pray for my church and its leaders. And I pray for signs and wonders. Let it happen, Lord. We need to see him. I'm not taking enough time, am I? What do you think? Do you think that God hears those prayers? And maybe you can read the verse too, and maybe God will bring something, drop something on your heart. But we're not talking here about the ministry of the gift. We're talking about the natural, supernatural discipline of praying for others. And the motivation for this isn't guilt. It is because of the bennies. What's in it for me? Now that's coming up. I'm going to leave that to the end so that I can leave that in your, your heart and mind. You know? So number three, standing in the gap. Is all about people. Well, this makes sense. It means other people than ourselves. So there are times when we pray for ourselves, but in intercession, it's not praying for ourselves, unless you're schizophrenic. Oh, God, I come to you today. Bless Bob. He deserves it. I had a pastor friend once who... Uh, who was at a youth camp and somebody prophesied over this guy that he was going to be a prophet and was going to prophesy. And so the, somebody said, you need to prophesy right now. And so he puts his hand on his head, Bill, I'm disgusted with your lustful heart. 
Well, that ended that prayer meeting. <laughs> but the truth is, is that God speaks to us and puts a love in our hearts. That's why God wants us to pray even for our enemies. And in this day and age, my goodness, with the dichotomy and the division that's in our church, I think we need to be praying more than complaining. Complaining is pretty easy. And we read from that verse that you see up there. Is it on your, it's not there yet. It's, it's for me up there. It says this. So I saw for a man among you who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Wow. And look what happened in the end to Israel. They could never fulfill the purpose of God. Although that was in the plan of God too, because he had in mind his bride. That's you and I. And I tell you what, we're not going to fail. We're not going to be in the company where God says, I found no one. No, we are an army of intercessors that stand in the gap, who pray for people, who pray for our governments. Why do we pray for our government? Because they make decisions that affect our lives. That's why. And so it is better for us that we pray for them instead of just complain. We're good at that at every level from our teachers to, to our employers to city leaders and certainly in the nation. We're good at that. We can complain, but do we pray? And here's what we pray. It's not, Lord, help me to like them. Because that ain't going to happen. Not with some of the vitriolic comments I'm hearing these days. But what can happen is, how about this? Lord, I pray that you will bring them to make godly decisions. That you will even move their fingers in the opposite way. They will sign things they don't even believe in, but that make for righteousness in our land. That's a godly prayer. Don't have to pray forever, but as Lord, I pray for this, I pray for that. I pray for this person, name them before God. What does happen, of course, it may not change them as far as us you know, in our relationship with it, or how they act, but what will change is our heart. As you guys remember this, and I've had to deal with this all my life by living in countries with an oppressed people. God gives us the government we have, and we'll use it for his purpose. Can we believe that? Some people say it this way, we get the government we deserve. Ooh, I hope not. Because that's not very good. Now, what is God looking for? He's looking for people who love him and love people who are willing to stand in the gap. If we love people, you can't hold back from this. I love you, but I'm never going to do anything for you. I love you, but I'm not going to pray for you. No, that, that, can't, that, that doesn't work. If we hate our brother, we hate God. If we love God, we will love our brother. Those commandments go together. And how do we love? Love is not a static noun that exists in some kind of a corner. It is a verb that necessitates action. I love you, and this is how I love you. I can love my wife for all I'm worth, but if she expects to receive my love, if all she ever gets is, I love her, and that's it, She's not experiencing my love at the moment. I am, but she's not. You get the point? What makes the difference is when I help her with the dishes, because that's her love language. When I make the bed and proudly stand beside it. <laughs> hey, Sharon, you got a minute? <laughs> I'm a guy, come on, that's what we do. I haven't learned how to work the dishwasher yet, though. And I'll, I'll give you another confession here. 
And that is, I really need you, I need you to pray for me. And you need me to pray for you. It makes a difference. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Doug shared about Sharon's healing in the hospital. I've experienced a couple of miraculous healings. One of them was football injury. The other shoulder this time, I've had over 20 dislocations. You want to hear about my body parts? (laughs) On one occasion in practice, I got hit really hard and it dislocated my shoulder and paralyzed my arm. I was in hospital for 12 days. And I was a teenager at the time, and of course, life is beautiful and everything is going to work out well. And so I had no qualms about, eh, it'll just come back. That's, it's numb right now, but it was a big deal. And uh, we went through a number of exercises. I won't go into that. But when I was discharged from the hospital and my arm was working normally, the doctor said to me, you know what? You're a lucky man. And I'm going, what? Because I healed? You know? He says, no, you had permanent nerve damage. We talked to your, your parents and, and told them never to expect him to use his arm again. That, in many ways, has changed my life. So I talked to my parents, and I said, what, what's going on here? How come you didn't tell me? Well, in those days, you didn't tell anything. I, I think that was wrong, but that's another thing. That's not my point. My point is, the church gathered and prayed. They really did, just like they did for Sharon. Now, we don't do the same gathering over prayer requests because that would be gathering every night of the week. But we do pray individually. Many more people praying at their point, at their home, and, and, and where they are than ever before when we came together. So anyway, the church did that for me, and God healed me in a miraculous way. I had a heart episode in Uganda. They air flighted me to Nairobi. God healed me before I even arrived. And there was a doctor there from our church. She's a godly woman, one of our elders there, one of our pastors. And she was there for a conference in Nairobi. And she said, God has given me this. He's pushing back the darkness. And I knew it. I knew it. And to this day, I still am very soft and tender about that. I talk about my wife's recovery. I'm very soft and tender about that. I'm just thankful. But you know what? I didn't do the praying. Others did the praying. Others, I, I wasn't strong enough. I didn't even know what was happening in the first case, but others did. And I'm just so thankful for those that took it upon themselves, that burden. I need you. And you need us. We need each other. That's scripture. So let me finish off here. Number four, people in authority over especially need our prayers more than our complaints. I think I covered that, didn't I? This didn't give you the title. Number five, standing in the gap ultimately is in our own best interest. Woo. This is different. Now, remember I told you the last one is going to be more of the motivation. This gets to the topic, what's in it for me, which we do that. Now, maybe you're different, but, uh, you know, okay, what's in it for me? That certainly is our generation. It's what do I get out of this? That's not a bad question. It may be selfishly sourced, but the truth is uh, God does want to bless us, and he does want to bring blessings uh, to us in different ways as we are obedient to him. So in Scripture, I'm going to read it in the Spirit Bible, which says this, we must pray for those in authority over us if we wish to reap the benefits of good government. Now listen to this which is a prized gift from God for the church's welfare, yes, and advancement of the gospel, the advancement of the kingdom, the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why we pray. So here's the deal. Do we get the benefit if the government is good? Do we get this, this, the suffering if the government is ungodly and doing things that are 
contrary to the will of God. Yeah, so there's something in it for us. When we talk about this whole area of what's in it for us, I think we need to realize more than ever that the Bible says that the, the, the earnest prayer of somebody who is righteous, a Christian, a normal Christian following Christ, it, it is very, very effective. It gives results. So we talk about what's in it for us to see others' lives turned around and changed is an amazing experience. People delivered out of horrible things or pasts that are, that are unspeakable. To see that person changed or to see somebody who was listless and drifting and not sure what the future was to help them get an anchor and a direction into a, a lifestyle that's going to be a blessing to them. When I see that, when we see that, we're blessed. In fact, to tell you the truth, I think that's the greatest blessing in life. Not the riches, not the fame, but seeing people just changed. Can you agree with that? Can you say amen to that? Remember, you got to talk to me. If I'm going to preach good, you got to talk to me. And, and, and it, it, there's so many things about this, but that peace and assurance that, that comes to us that somebody else has helped. But there's one other thing I want to say. If you are a hoarder and you're greedy and you keep all your money, what's the best way to break yourself of that spirit? All right, what do you do? You come to church and give. <laughs> you can do it online or you can do you know, the five different ways. The more we give, the more we benefit because we're breaking that hoarding spirit to a spirit of generosity, which then mess, what's the word, mesthetize? Is that the word? When cancer spreads? It spreads. It, spread, it spreads to every part of our lives. We become generous with our time, with our, with our energies, with our talents, and that's what kingdom living is all about as Christians. That's who we are. And now when it comes to prayer, to intercession, this easy way, I'll pray for you, and I'm going to pray for you right now, or it's on my, my, my iPad or phone or whatever it is. That breaks us of that stinking, selfish spirit, which destroys us and harms us. And when we live for ourselves, we don't grow at all. But when we live for others, as God directs us. So my prayer is this, Lord, give me a sensitivity to the needs of others, not just being so wrapped up in myself. Lord, teach me how to pray for that person because God does speak to us at times like that. And one further thought with this also, it's not just praying for others, is it? If we're open to what the Holy Spirit is saying, not only will He maybe pinpoint things that weren't even being presented, maybe supernatural, but He will also maybe give us a job to do. You know, like the queen servant who goes into the queen's chamber and she's in bed there and she says, Well, uh, Queen, uh, I know my job is to do the dusting and the sweeping and all that, but I don't feel like doing it today. Would you do it, please? Sometimes we go to God in prayer like that, too. So we pray for our neighbor who just went off government support for the six weeks or whatever it is. Maybe they need groceries. God, bring groceries in Jesus' name. And we feel good. You hear what I'm saying? And so God's our servant. I think it's the other way around. So Lord, if there's something you want me to do about it, help me. I'm not good at this, but help me. And I could give many other examples of that where God will help us to do that. So in closing, let me give you one verse. I don't think we have it on the screen here. I'll give you the address. The references Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 6 and 7. 
No, that's not the one, I'm sorry. I want to go to Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 12, 23. 1 Samuel 12, 23. This is a powerful verse. You know the verse, as for me and my house will serve the Lord. This is kind of like that, but different context. As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Wow. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, ago in England once said this God never shuts his storehouses until we shut our mouths God's waiting to open some storehouses as we open our mouths and make known the intercession and prayers we have for each other that's my prayer can you say amen hallelujah I'd like you to just stand to your feet as we